Hey ladies, welcome to Boss Ladies Connect. I am so excited that you're joining us on this podcast where we encourage women and inspire them to fully walk in everything that they've been called to do. We believe that each person has been created with a specific purpose and it is up to us to walk in it, to discover what it is and to allow it to fully manifest in our lives. And so each week we have conversations that allow us to evolve and grow and to fully understand and embrace the purpose call on our lives. And so ladies, without further ado, let us get started. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Boss Ladies Connect. I'm so excited about today's conversation. Welcome to all of our new listeners. And if you are an old bee, hey, it's so good to be back talking to you. Okay, so this week we have a really special guest. I love when she comes on. She always drops gems of wisdom and she's just so much fun. We are having Monique Edwards. She is an attorney, an entrepreneur, an author, a pastor, a wife, and a mother. But if you put the mic in her hand, you are going to experience a woman compelled to unleash the greatness in other women. Monique is the founder of Gravitas Executive Consulting, which helps professional women of faith amplify their impact through leadership development, communication strategy, and spiritual renewal. Described by her clients as dynamic, impactful, and results-focused, Monique has coached countless executives at Facebook, NBC, Microsoft, Delta, Morgan Stanley, New York Life, MTV, and the list goes on and on. Prior to Gravitas, Monique spent 20 years as a corporate attorney for the Fortune 50. After firing herself, yes, I did say firing herself from the practice of law, she served as an executive pastor for a growing local church. In her book entitled The Snatchback, Monique empowers women to boldly reclaim their lives from the lies that have stolen their purpose, vitality, and their impact. When she's not unleashing greatness in other women, Monique loves reading, fashion, laughing out loud with girlfriends, and spending time with her husband and her children. And so guys, I'm so excited about this conversation. Monique and I are talking about the transition from um, an employee to a CEO. And y'all, For those of us who have been in this entrepreneurship game, even if you are doing a side hustle, you are still an entrepreneur. You know that there is a different type of mindset that you have to have in order to successfully transition. And for those of you who are thinking about taking the leap or moving in that direction, this episode is going to drop so many gems that is necessary for you to be able to effectively make the transition and do the things that you need to do to be successful in your business as a CEO. And so I'm going to stop talking and we're going to get right to this week's conversation. Hey, everybody. I am so excited about today's Boss Ladies Connect conversation. I have the pleasure of having Miss Monique Edwards here. I'm so excited, girls, for the minute. It has been. It's always so good to connect with you, Tisha. Thank you for having me. 
I love our conversations and I know that this one is going to be um, a great one as well. Uh, but before we get started talking about this topic of um, entrepreneurship and transitioning and becoming a boss lady, you know, what that really looks like, I love for you to introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about what you do. So I boil down what I do to this. I help CEOs and executives win in life and in business. You know, you can be winning in the office, but losing at home, or you could be winning at the in the business and losing at home or vice versa. But I believe God wants us to excel and, and be fruitful in both areas. So I help leaders do that. Girl, I love it. As soon as you said you could be winning at home or winning <laughs> in the office and losing at home, it just, I just, a part of me just sunk because I know how real that is. Um, and so, yeah, I, I am all an advocate for that. And I absolutely would love to um, to ask you, how did you start in this space? Um, I'm thinking it's probably has to do with personal experience, but you know, what was that journey like to get you started? You would be right. So I practiced corporate law for 20 years, never loved it. I loved the transactions and the deals and the negotiation, but I didn't love the nitty gritty of the law. And I would sit in, I was working for a Fortune 50, I would sit in all these strategic planning sessions and all these different meetings. And I would hear God say, use your gifts to build the body of Christ use your gifts to build the body. At that time, my husband and I, we were both heavily in ministry at our church. We were elders, like associate pastors, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, me, I'm thinking, oh, well, God wants me to go into full-time ministry. So I ended up separating with my company. My kids were small. I wanted more time. They wanted me to work 80 hours a week. It just was no longer working for my life. So I you know, I'm, I'm home, I got a nice package and I'm home and I'm enjoying life for a few weeks. And then my father gets ill and he eventually passes away from cancer. So I had to got, spend about nine months with him. Then I went into full-time ministry. Yes, I'm here now. I'm going to use my gifts to build the body. And it took me probably a few years to realize that I'm probably better suited for the corporate world than I am for the local church. I'm better suited for the business world than I am for the local church. Mm -hmm. So I will admit there was some tension there, you know, because I got met with the, well, they don't take all that. And why we got to do it that way? And, you know, <laughs> I'm looking around, who are you talking to? <laughs> and I'm like, y'all don't understand. I got a whole law degree on the line here. You know what I mean? Like stuff got to be done right. So, but I realized that I really had two things I discovered during that pastoring tenure. Number one, I'm allergic to average. And number two, the, the underdeveloped potential and undeveloped potential makes me itch. I can't stand to see anything that could be on 10, but it's on five. Girl drives me crazy. So I developed a coaching gift and a coaching rhythm with some of the leaders that I was over because I went to be the executive pastor at my local church. And I realized that with a lot of them, I was doing a lot of leadership coaching, but I still never thought about moving out of that into actually doing coaching. And then one day I'm sitting with my, my son and we were at Great Wolf Lodge, we were celebrating his sister's 13th birthday. I write about this in my book. And my son, he was, what, I guess nine at the time, says to me, you know, mama, I, you're always working and I'm really starting to resent the church. And I said, what do you mean resent the church? I said, going to church or resenting the people? He was like, mama, I resent the people. And I realized that 
I was so busy. You you served at a high level in ministry. You know that grind. You know it's nonstop. You know there's always a need to be met. And I was over. I think I ran three ministries personally. I was over seven others. It was it was a lot. It it was it was too much, sis. When I when I think about it now, I was like, girl, I was retarded. I had no business doing that. But anyway, and so I really said, you know what? I got to make a change. You know, my my child is telling me I'm starting to resent the people at church, I gotta change. So through a series of just prayer and sitting down and really coaching myself, which is what I had been doing for other people, I said, you know what, I am going to become a coach. But at this juncture, I was not doing business coaching. I was doing leadership. And and so it wasn't until I got a phone call one day uh, out of the blue from some uh, uh, outfit in New York who said, we saw you on LinkedIn, we saw your, your resume, you would be fantastic to actually be a CEO coach. And I said, huh? Like, I thought it was a scam. I didn't think it was real. And well, those things as real is what you're telling us when we get those emails. Yes, yes. I was like, huh? And they were like, yeah, won't you come and meet with us? And that was really the beginning, Tisha, of me starting to actually coach CEOs. So the group of CEOs that I was coaching, they were all venture capital backed, tech enabled startups. And some of them, you know, you're talking about, you know, 35 year old white guys, mostly who had just gotten 50 million in venture capital funding. And, you know, it was it was a very fast paced, fast moving environment. But I loved it. And then. I did that for about three years. And then right before the pandemic hit, one of my girlfriends said, you know, I was online and I saw something that you'd be perfect for. And it was actually doing the same thing, but doing it with CEOs who are people of faith. Mm. And so it took my pastoring background. It took my coaching background. It took my executive leadership background. And it just kind of all brought it together full circle. So that's my long-winded story about how I wound my way through what this is my fourth career, I think. Oh, I love it. You know, <laughs> doing this now. And that that's how I got started. Well, first, let me tell you, it's so inspiring because I find myself going in different careers or taking on different things. I'm like, I'm, I'm all a 44 years old. What am I shifting right now for? But I love that. But look, let me, the allergic to average. Okay. I love the story because I love the way that it, it shows the growth and the giftings that were already there that may not have been recognized in the spaces and in the places you were. Yes. And I, I love that story because I have a similar one where I feel like they were a lot like allergic to average. Like, why do we keep doing the same stuff? Like, mm-hmm. let's go here, let's do this. And and I think at that time, sometimes you you can get rejected. Yes. And if you, you know, are not allowing God to continue to speak to you and believing in the gifts that he's given you, mm-hmm. you can crawl under the rock and just stay there and not allow it to like fully evolve. So I love, I love your story. I love you. you. I, I love the way it all comes together. You know, you said a mouthful because the rejection is real. And what's even more real than that is you're confused because you went into this thinking that you heard from God. Cause I, I would sit in leadership meetings with the CEO and with the VPs. And I know I heard God say, use your gifts to build the body. But this is where theology is very important. Theology, your thoughts about God. 
I am now learning in this season of my life that it's so important to be in under an expansive ministry because there is an expansive theology. And at that time, my theology was narrow. So I thought the body meant the church. Mm, yeah. And so when I went into the church and things didn't play out like I thought they would, I sat there saying, God, I thought I heard from you all these years. Did I miss you? Am I off? What's happening? And it really made me doubt my ability to hear from God correctly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when it all came full circle, I was like, yes, I knew I wasn't crazy. I knew I heard from Jesus. Like it just, it really was that moment because I was now able to look back and see every single thing he's utilizing mm. and but had i been under a more expansive theology and a more expansive teaching from a, from a spiritual standpoint my mind might have been open to something else but i was a church girl all i knew was work at the church oh yes every gift you got <laughs> church. Church. church okay this is where you're supposed to pour it. These are the people who need it. There you go. Exactly. And I realized that I do so much better with entrepreneurs, so much better with executives, so much better with CEOs than I do with your typical church member. Because I think my giftings and my experiences speak to that. And when we talk, we can finish each other's sentences, mm -hmm. you know? And so I feel like it's there's a connection there. Yeah, I love that. I'm excited about that because I feel like you are me, I am you. And so I haven't fully gotten to that complete place where everything has come around full circle, but uh, it is definitely inspiring. And so now that you're moving into this, uh, you're in this space where you're using your gifts for us boss ladies, um, you know, I got some questions. <laughs> I know. Come on, bring them on. <laughs> I got some questions. You know, I think going from being a full-time employee to being an entrepreneur, it is a total mind shift change that has to happen, mindset change that has to happen. And I don't think that we're really aware or prepared for the way that you now have to be accountable to yourself, mm -hmm. um, boss yourself, employ yourself be creative, like everything, you now have to do everything. And so I'm just wondering, what are some of the things that you tell uh, CEOs when they're getting started and they're transitioning? What, what is some advice that you give them? That's a great question, because just because you're good at doing a thing doesn't necessarily mean you're good at being the boss of a business that does the thing. So you could be a great chef, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're great at running a restaurant. Right. You could be a great designer, doesn't necessarily mean that you're good at uh, opening a store and running an online boutique, different skill sets. And often many of us, we, we're, we're doing a nine to five hustle, right? You know, cause we got to pay the bills, kids got to eat, right? But we got this side hustle thing that's our passion project and we love it. And we daydream about being able to take that thing and make it into this business. But I think one of the biggest challenges is that when we, are making, when we're seeing ourselves in that role, we're not seeing uh, ourselves doing all the things. Mm 
<laughs> that a CEO <laughs> and that a solopreneur has to do because well, you you got to do all the things. Right. Okay? And we don't even know things. what all the things are. We don't even know what all the things are, right? <laughs> but, but we know that there's something inside of us. So one thing that I would say is I think it's critically important to self-assess. I think it's important to assess where am I strong? Where am I weak? Am I strong administratively? Am I not? Am I more creative? It, it, do I can I really manage my time well? Am I somebody who has to constantly be motivated or can I be disciplined? And it starts with a real strong self-assessment and inventory of our giftings, our talents, and what we want to do. Because at the end of the day, I could be gifted as all heck in something, but if I don't want to do it, I'm three times seven plus, I'm grown. I'm gonna lay in that bed on Monday morning. Exactly. And I'm not gonna do it, and it's gonna get shoved to the next day and shoved to the next day. Cause what? I'm a, I don't have anybody that I'm accountable to. I'm my own entrepreneur. I'm my own boss. And then what could have been a fantastic business idea becomes an expensive hobby, mm. and we end up having to go back and get that nine to five, right? Right. So right. if you are one to two years out from leaving that side hustle. And, and make it at your main squeeze, make it at your full-time thing, really do a self-assessment. What am I strong at? What am I weak at? And then complement those strengths. You can go on Fiverr and get a lot of help. You can go on, you know, there's so many resources. There's so many people who are doing gig work. You can hire a VA if you are not a virtual assistant, if you're not organized, but really be honest and do that self-assessment. That's what I would say before you actually move in. If you're already in it, sis, you still need to do that honest assessment, but you need to get that help with the quickness. You don't have the luxury of, of figuring out for three months, hey, what do I really feel like doing? You need to stop today and really do that inventory because you, you are, you're not being a good steward, a good manager of the time, talent, and treasure that God has given you if you're not stewarding your business well. That business is not just for you. That business is for God's glory. And, and regardless of what your faith persuasion is, you know, there's a higher being that is expecting a lot from you because he's poured a lot into you. And so you're never going to bring that out if you don't get serious about walking as a CEO. So let me ask you, after you, let's say you do the self-assessment and you say, okay, well, I'm not really strong in a lot of the business part of it. You know, I'm, I'm strong, I'm creative, I can think. So would you say that, you know, what is that next step? Is it I stay on my nine to five? Like, <laughs> is it I, I try to connect or maybe partner with somebody else? Like is entrepreneurship for everyone? <laughs> yes. So here's what I would say. And I, I shout out to Dr. Darius Daniels, I love his ministry. He has an expression that I heard through his ministry. He said, you don't go as far as your dream, you go as far as your team. And so what I would say to that person who has assessed, look at where the gaps are in your team and begin to try to fill those. As a CEO, you have three or four primary responsibilities. Number one, you are the keeper of the culture, okay? It is up to you to set the culture, the vibe, the ethos, whatever you want to call it, for this thing that you are building. You are the keeper of the culture. Number two, you have to make sure you have the right people on the bus. And you have to make, that means you have the right 
people around you and you have to make sure that the that the right butts are in the right seats okay Definitely. so some people make a good co-driver some people need to be in the back seat some people need to be in the trunk some people probably need to just stay on the sidewalk okay but you got to make sure you got the right butts in the right seats okay and the third thing is you got to make sure that there's gas in the bus Right, you gotta make sure that there's gas, make sure that there's money, there's gotta be income coming in, there's gotta be revenue to fund the business. Otherwise, you will fizzle out on a very expensive hobby. And then you set the direction for the bus. Which direction is the bus headed? Is the bus heading to Chicago? Is the bus heading to South Carolina? We gotta figure out which way we're going. Okay, so right. those are the high level responsibilities that you have as a CEO. And the most important one, I believe, when you're just starting out is, what am I building? Understanding what am I building and who do I need around me? Because again, you're not gonna go as far as the dream, you're gonna go as far as the team. So let's say for instance, you're trying to build, let's say you're a lawyer and you're trying to build, are you trying to build a law practice? If you are, you can have a practice with two people, but if you're trying to really run that as a business and have a real law firm, you need to then expand beyond that. So that's a different set of PT members around you. That's a different uh, blueprint that you're operating from. But you got to start out with what am I really trying to build? And then from there, I would say get that team around you, contractors. Okay, independent contractors, you can hire people on Fiverr to do certain tasks, but you can also partner with people. And people often think, well, I don't want to share, you don't want to enter into a legal partnership with people. You don't have to enter into a legal partnership. You can just say, you know what, Tisha, you're great at marketing and I'm great at contracts. So you know what, I'm going to help you with your contracts and you help me with my marketing and we barter. So you can do a variety. And that's why being in, in a community like the Boss Ladies Connect is so great because you got people who may be weak where you're strong and vice versa. And you guys can barter with each other for help and for services. And it's a partnership without you having to sign something on a dotted line, so to speak. I hope that made sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to dive into a couple of things that you talked about because, you know, I, I'm all into the leadership space. Um, we were talking about it's the responsibility of the leader to keep the culture. Yeah. I think that a lot of times when people move into leadership, they don't realize how much of a weight and responsibility they have and what it's going to require of them, like how they're going to have to communicate, how they're going to have to uh, see people, how they're going to have to um, build people up, build up their team. And, and I think that people sometimes are thrown off by this work, this leadership work, mm. right? And then the other part of that that I wanted to share was um, you mentioned um, the part about uh, as we are shifting into to leadership and we're moving in those spaces, uh, making sure, oh, I wanted to ask you, what are some of the, the characteristics that you need to have as a leader when you are looking to partner and collaborate with people. And the reason why I bring that up is because I know I've done many partnerships <laughs> and many a collaboration. And I'm always reminded, every time I get out of a situation, I'm always reminded, okay, you have to remember, you gotta be clear. You have to have clarity. You have to express your expectations. So like, I'm just wondering, what are some of the things that people don't realize, like some of the skill sets that they need when they're entering into these types of agreements? 
You know, it's funny you should connect those two questions because I think in many ways, some of the characteristics are the same. Let's go back to the leadership characteristics first. As a CEO, as an entrepreneur, if you have to have a vision for where this is going and what, where you want it to go. If I have a boutique, do I want to just have one boutique or do I want to have a boutique or online store? Do I want to have six locations? What do I want? And then I need to start building me first to be able to manage what I want. Because I'm a big believer that you, that the, the organization can't grow any higher than the leader grows. And so when you talk about what are some of those characteristics, clarity is one. You'd be surprised at the number of people who aren't very clear in their expectations, in their instructions. So if you don't know how to be clear with a independent contractor that you wanna hire off of Fiverr or someplace else, um, you're not gonna know how to be clear with a partner or, or, or another CEO that you wanna partner with either. So, and I have the expression, clarity is kindness. When I am clear, I am being as kind as I can be to you. Cause it would be so wrong for me. I would be dogging you out this if I wasn't clear and then we end up in in a dispute a or mess. an issue or, yes. or a mess or expectations are not met and so clarity is important consistency is important mm. if I cannot be consistent in getting up every day and doing the things on my to-do list for my business I am not in any position to manage anybody else so I need to have consistency and if I cannot manage well an independent contract who I'm going to hire as a VA, the VA is waking me up talking about what we're doing today, okay? If I can't do that, I'm probably not going to be consistent on my obligations that I agree to with a partner because I'm scattered and I'm all over the place, okay? So clarity is what I would look for. I would look for consistency. And then I would look for character. I think in this society that we live in, and I'm not knocking social media at all, but we are way more impressed with likes and follows than we are with, okay, but what's the work? And so before I partner with somebody, I wanna see what's your work? What are you doing? Where's the fruit? So let's say I was thinking of partnering with you. I know that you are in many spaces, but you're in the marriage space. I just got an email about the marriage conference that you guys are doing. And so, if I'm thinking about engaging with you, you know what I need to do? I need to invest in attending what you're putting on because I need to see what's the character. Too many times we don't want to invest in watching, get to know people before we jump into something because what we're thinking about is they're going to give me something. They're going to help me, but I need to be willing to invest the time and the money if necessary to get to know you, see you in your element, see how you run your business before I decide I do want to link up with you. And that speaks to character. And, you know, I'll say this as far as, you know, okay, well, Monique, for an independent contractor, what would you suggest? I no longer interview people. I interview people, but I give projects. So if I'm going to interview somebody to be my VA, we'll interview but now I'm gonna sit down with you and I'm gonna say, so here's a hypothetical situation. Here's some different things. I'm gonna send you a few emails. I wanna see you respond to this and manage these issues. I wanna see you, I wanna see it. I don't even care what your references said. I wanna see you work, okay? Because the reference checks these days, 
that's the other thing. Check people's references. There's a whole skill to checking references as well. That's another podcast. But you really got to make sure that you as a leader are willing to invest the time. And sometimes we're so desperate for help or we're so desperate to get something jumped off. We don't take the time to really investigate character and quality. And we end up in a bad partnership or we end up in a suboptimal relationship with somebody who's supposed to help us in an independent contractor fashion. Girl, you have just dropped so many gems right there. That whole key before you before you partner or look to collaborate with somebody, step into their world, like see what they're doing. It will show you so much as you are just a participant, right? <laughs> and we get caught, I mean, I can speak from experience and I've seen other um, entrepreneurs get entangled, entanglement, have an entanglement <laughs> with so many like heartaches, disappointments, um, heartbreaks, things that did not have to happen had you done a little bit of research and had you been super clear about your expectations, what you can do, what you cannot do, understand. And then that goes back to what you said, where are you trying to go? Where are you trying to go? What are you trying to do? And why are you linking up with this particular person to do it? Ah, I love it. I love it. I wrote down um, clarity is kindness. Clarity is kindness. And I think a lot of people run from that. They run from, because like you said, they're desperate or they're afraid that people are going to think like it's too much, but let's have the conversation. You know, when you were, and that's, that's just doing basic due diligence and you will get to see whether people are sloppy, whether they're careless, whether they're last minute. And often we're afraid of coming off, like having too high of expectations. But I think that if you're in that situation, that's a sign that the person that this is not a good marriage because, and I'm not even judging whether your expectations are too high, whatever they are, they're yours. And this person does not meet them. If they don't, you're not going to be satisfied. So you got to move away from that. And I think we have to, we have to be honest with ourselves about what our non-negotiables are without, be, without fear of rejection or fear of, well, I've had two conversations with them and now they're expecting something can't do that. I love it. I love it. And and having this podcast, being able to speak to a lot of women entrepreneurs, I get to see all facets, right? And I think that sometimes we put, we put our, I don't want to call it expectations, but our perspective of what someone else is or what they're doing or what they're capable of. We have people at such high levels when at the end of the day, like people are people, And I think that sometimes we shortchange ourselves in the connections that we can make and in the relationships that we could have because we haven't had the conversation. We've done a lot of assuming, a lot of looking at the likes and the highlights and the reels and all these different things. And I believe that there are a lot of connections that that could have taken place that that don't. And so it kind of leads me to my next question. A lot of entrepreneurs that I talk to, I experience imposter syndrome where, you know, you're trying, you're still learning. We're all on a journey. We're still learning. You have this vision, you have this thing, but maybe you haven't actually, um, you don't have results yet, right? (laughs) You don't have results or maybe you do have results, but you're not as confident in yourself um, and your ability to do that. 
What is your advice to um, women in particular, or just CEOs in particular that are transitioning and starting to, you know, step out because you have to, you have to start somewhere, you know? So what is your advice to them? I'll say this, for those of you who are starting out, just know that the ones that have been doing it 10 years, they're still dealing with imposter syndrome. It, it, it rears its head at every benchmark and every level you go to. There are inflection points in your business. And when you go from uh, six figures to seven figures, when you hit that seven figure mark, you're gonna be like, oh my God, do I really know what I'm doing? I'm the CEO of a seven figure. You're gonna always have that. When you hit you know, high seven, eight. So I think it's something that we all deal with. So it's not how do I get rid of imposter syndrome? I think it is how do I manage it effectively so that it does not stifle me and it does not cause me to be crazy with the people I'm partnered with or the people I'm leaving. Because a lot of times, you know, because I deal with executives as well, you are wreaking havoc on the people below you because of what's going on inside of you. And so I would say this, imposter syndrome, the root of it is really identity. What's my identity? So if my identity is, I'm the CEO who's got it all together and I know everything and I'm, I'm boss. I think you're much more susceptible to imposter syndrome because you know there are days when you don't live up to that, right? But I think that if your identity is rooted in some real core values and your identity is rooted in service and your identity is rooted in authenticity, you struggle a lot less with imposter syndrome. Because if I am here to serve, I'm not always thinking about me. I'm here to serve you. And so when I'm in the process of coaching someone, I can listen to them fully without something going on in the back of my mind about, oh, Monique, I don't know if that sounds right. I, I can't be there fully for you, Tisha, if in the back of my mind, I got a whole other conversation going on. But when I throw myself into serving you and serving you to the best of my ability, believing that God is going to put his super on top of my natural, I get supernatural results because I'm there to serve. If I have been authentic about who I am, I'm a coach. I've been doing this for three years. I've worked with X number of CEOs, X number of businesses in this dollar range. Okay. If I've been authentic about that, I'm not worried about being an imposter because I haven't put myself out there as being more than what I really am, right? So I think that that authenticity piece helps. The other thing I think it helps is to know what your values are. And I think that when you know what your values are, you gravitate towards people in situations that align with those values and you will feel more comfortable in those spaces. So if your value is really to serve, if your value is to be a servant leader, you probably want to be in spaces like your space that speaks to that, as opposed to other leadership spaces that may have a whole different vibe for what's going on with leadership. It's going to get in your head because you know I'm not that. I can never be that. So you got to stay in your lane. Uh, and then the last thing that I would say is self-talk is so important. And having a tribe is so important. Because you're gonna have a conversation with yourself and some days that's just not enough. Some days you need a tribe. 
like boss ladies who you can call up and be like, listen, I'm struggling with this or get on a Zoom call and be like, listen, I'm struggling. They'd be like, yeah, I'm struggling too. And you can let it out and have a place to express it and have a place to get assurance, to get boasted up, to go back the next day and do it again. Your community is so important. But if you're with a community of people who everybody's trying to floss and everybody's trying to flex, that's only going to double down or triple down on the imposter syndrome that you already feel. So those are the things I would say. Yeah, those were really, really good. And I, the, one of the things that stood out the most to me was the service piece. Like if you're focused on serving, then you're not focused on appearing. Yeah. You know, as, as something that you're not and you're just doing what it is that you've been called to do or you believe, you know, that you've been called to do. And I think that I I 100% agree. I'm not even going to add on to it. <laughs> I 100% agree with what you said about imposter syndrome. I did want to ask you though, I did want to shift just a little bit because I know that now you're working with Christian CEOs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I'm just wondering what, how that has been different. Um, yeah. You know, I hear a lot of I'm, you know, I know a lot of faith-based entrepreneurs. I know one way that is different is that we're adding his super to our natural, but um, I guess I would like to know, like, what are maybe some of the challenges being yeah. a Christian CEO, and then of course the benefits. Yeah. So I, I say Christian. It's really people of faith. So I have some people who are Hindu. I have some people who are Jewish but they agree on some fundamental biblical principles. And so we can rock together, right? So just, I say Christian, but it's really more so coming at it from a biblical worldview. I think there are a couple things that are difficult for Christian CEOs, especially if you have been raised in evangelical, charismatic, Pentecostal spaces. Number one, you feel very lonely because there aren't a ton of us in business who have succeeded at high levels. So you feel like I don't really have a, a, a path or a blueprint for how to do this in a way that will honor God. So I think that that's one thing. And we might not have those examples. On the flip side, we don't have examples of people doing it, doing it big sometimes. And then we can buy into a theology that says, well, don't get too big. You know, don't, so, you know, money is the root of all evil, which is wrong. That's not what the Bible says. It's the love of money. That's the root of all evil. But, but we can almost be afraid of too much success because sometimes the church can make you feel as if, uh-oh, you know, you're getting a little too big for your britches. Uh-oh, don't get too far away from us. Uh-oh. So I find that those are some challenges. I find that often some of my CEOs struggle with how do I hold people accountable and still be Christ-like? Like, how do I do that? Like, how do I tell somebody, boo, you ain't do your job and I'm not going to pay you. And I fell on being Christian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and because often we have this incorrect view of Jesus. So we have this view that Jesus was this peace loving hippie, you know, with everything except the weed, right? He never got angry. He never got mad, never called anybody out, never checked anybody. He was just always just like, everything's groovy. You know, and so we feel like we don't, we, and we aren't, we aren't taught how to speak the truth in love often. 
And we are taught how to confront in a Christ-like fashion. That is so the culture podcast. I will have to hold you to, okay? So the culture has kind of made us feel badly when we have to step into the role of leader and accountability holder. And so I find that sometimes my CEOs struggle with that. You know, one of the things that I find I really do a lot is, yes, I'm helping them with their, their sales and their marketing and their accounts payables and receive, I'm, I'm helping them with strategic planning and all that stuff. But one of the things that I often find myself doing is undoing some of the culturally infused notions that we have about what a Christian business looks like versus what the Bible would say about it. And, and once we bring that clarity that no, Jesus held people accountable, he held people to a standard, he spoke the truth in love, he was not afraid to confront, clarity is kindness, sometimes to be clear you have to confront, look what Jesus did. In doing that, I find I get them out of some of those head spaces. Um, I think also another headspace as this been a, was a rich conversation is, you know, forgiveness. You know, well, you know, I know that this vendor or I know that this partner or this contractor, they didn't do what they were supposed to do last time, but shouldn't I forgive them and use them again? <laughs> and the answer is no, okay? Not, not, not without evidence that something has changed. Right. You know, right. you gotta show me some proof. Now I was hiring you before on faith. Now I'm gonna hire you on proof. So do the work and then I'll pay you. Like, like, like let's be wise, right? So I find that those are some, dismantling some of the notions that are unhelpful to us. And then the flip side is the once you do some of that, there are so many breakthroughs that you could have because entrepreneurship, being a CEO is hard, is so hard. And so what I find I'm able to do then is once we've broken through that, they're now able to say, you know what? I'm in business for myself, but I'm not by myself. And I'm in business with God and for God. And so now I can call on supernatural power and strength. I can ask for discernment before I make certain decisions, right? I can expect to be guided and led to the right people. So there's a whole superpower that you can tap into once you really stand in that identity and you're purposeful about, you know what, God, you gave me this business and we're taking it all away. Uh, I, I love it. I remember two uh, moments in my uh, entrepreneur journey that I had like an aha uh, Christian mm -hmm. moment, moment of faith. Um, there was one where I was around, surrounding myself by a tribe and people were praying and we would have like prayer calls and they would be talking about like how they pray for like $20,000 months and $50,000 months. And, mm -hmm. and then I would get on the, the call the next week and they were getting $20,000 months. And, and I was just like, I had never thought to pray mm -hmm. for like, a, like to be specific in a dollar amount that I was looking to achieve. And I think my mindset was just always, oh, you know, as long as I'm taken care of, as long as I have, like, I, I just, it was just like, you know, that whole, you're not supposed to be asking for a lot or asking for more. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, like God is doing this. I'm not asking, you know, what I mean? <laughs> I'm not asking, I'm not setting it up. I'm not believing for it. 
And so that was one moment for me. But the other more recent moment I had was, um, you know, sometimes I struggle with the marketing aspect, not wanting to feel like a salesperson, right? And so I went through a program and, you know, I was just, you know, talking to the Lord and Christ reminded, God reminded me of how Jesus did not stay home. He didn't, he went out to people. He told people about God. He told people about himself. Those people didn't even know that they needed him. Right. And then so often, and I was sitting here beating myself up, like, why are you feeling bad about, oh, I don't want to be too, you know, talking too much about purpose. I don't want to be telling people that they need to, I don't want to keep, you know, bothering folks. And it was like, the people didn't know that they needed Christ. (laughs) They didn't know. They didn't know that they needed him. And he didn't stay home and just like turn on the light for the lighthouse and just shine a light and expect them to just come. He went to them. And I was like, wait a minute. So what you're saying, Lord, (laughs) (laughs) what you're saying is if you gave me something and you're telling me that this is a gift that you want me to use for other people then I now have a responsibility to tell people about it and to go out to them aka marketing and sales and so what's the problem and so (laughs) that's a revelation sis you know there's the parable of the talents, which many of us are familiar with. You know, a, an owner gives a talent, a, a coins of certain denominations to three of his servants, and he tells them, I'm going away on a trip. Let's, you, I want you to invest it. And, and when I come, I want to return on it. And two servants and did that. The third servant, which was called the lazy servant, he was afraid and, and hid his talent. And instead of investing it, he hid it under the mattress or someplace like that. And when the boss came back, he basically gave him back exactly what he gave him. No earning, no interest, no profit, no nothing. And he was condemned by the boss for doing that. And the lesson there is, you know, and in the message Bible, I think in the translation, it calls him a play it safe. And, you know, it wasn't about how much or how little the servant got in investment. It was about the wasted ability. Right. And what I don't think many of us realize is that God is holding us accountable for the gifts that we don't use. He's holding us accountable for the help we don't give people. He's holding us accountable for the service that we don't provide for people. So in some ways, Tisha, if you were going to meet your God one day and have him say, well done and be pleased, you got to do it (laughs) because he's holding you accountable to do it. And I don't know that many of us look at it that way. I think the other thing is, again, you know, you talked about Jesus. He didn't just sit in his house. I think we've been conditioned to think that putting yourself out there is too much you. It's too much, especially when the business is, is us because you are your business, you are your brand. And I think in churches, sometimes you're taught, well, don't get too prideful, don't get too puffed up, don't try to be out front too much. So for me, when I I was a pastor, I would preach and all that, no problem with that. When it came time for me to shift and build my business, scared to death. Scared out of my mind. (laughs) And it took a young millennial who was not a Christian to be like Ms. Monique. Now she was going to be Ms. Monique. You know, she a kid, right? She was like, Ms. Monique, no, this is what we're doing. I was like, really? She was like, no, this is what you got to do. I was like, really? 
And it took her pushing me to get out there because I was always conditioned, don't come across too salesy, don't come across too markety, you know? So I know exactly what you mean, but you have a gift and you are supposed to serve people with that gift. And if you don't, God is holding you responsible for it. You're absolutely right. And I think we gotta be careful that we're not like functioning in false humility, mm. right? Cause I, th I think it's one thing. And I think, I, I feel like, you know that's something I learned from the church, like being like, falsely humble um, as opposed to if I really believe that what I'm giving you or what I'm sharing with you is going to breathe life to you, is going to help you, then I should be talking, I should be helping you all day. I should be talking to you all day. I should, I should not be quiet about that. And so I, I feel like there definitely, I know for me, was like a how much is too much? Am I getting on people's nerves till I finally got to that place where you were talking about before is really having identity yeah. and understanding like where I'm going, what I'm doing, getting to that place where it's more of a service. And so then it allows you to walk authentically in some of those spaces and, um, and do the things that you need to do you know, so that people know. You know, I talk about this in my book, um, The Snatchback. There's a there's a chapter where I talk about how you see yourself. And I always go back to the story of David. I think it's first Samuel 15, where David is a shepherd. You know, he's out taking care of his sheep. His older brothers are off in Saul's army. And David shows up on the battlefield where Goliath is taunting the Israelites and sends somebody out to fight me. And everybody in the army, included, including the king and David's brothers, are afraid to go out to fight. And David shows up, you know, he's just bringing them some food and he's like, what's, what's going on here? Like, who is this talking junk and trying to flex on, you know, the people of God? Like, what's up with that? And he's outraged by it. And he tells the king, don't worry, I'll go fight him. And the king said, you're just a teenage boy. You can't fight him. He's been in battle since he was a boy and he's a grown man. You can't fight him. And David then runs down his resume. He says, I fought the lion and the bear. I did this, I did that. And when I fought the lion and the bear, I when a, when a bear would attack my sheep, I took the sheep back and I clubbed it to death. And I'm gonna do the same thing to this Philistine. And he, he runs down his resume. All of his credentials is I did this, I did that, I'm qualified. He's, he's giving out his bona fides. He's laying out his CV, his curriculum vitae. And only at the end does he say, does he mention God? And then he says, and the same God that helped me do that to those animals is gonna help me do this to this Philistine. And I don't know, I've been in church, I'm 50-ish I'm too, 52, I'll put it out there. I've been in church all my life. I've never once heard David described as arrogant, cocky, full of himself, but David ran down his resume. How was he going to serve if nobody knew what he could do? <laughs> you know, Saul didn't know him from a can of paint. The, okay. the Israelites would be serving the Philistines to this day if David hadn't jumped up and be like, hold up, wait a minute, you need help, I'm the man for the job. And they were grateful when David ran out there and killed Goliath. But they never would have known what David could do if David didn't speak up. Mm -hmm. And he also had to speak up in the face of an older brother who accused him of having wrong motives. Wow. Older brother said, oh, you just trying to meddle and you know, you're naughty and you're all in the business, go home. And he was like, forget you. And just went on and kept talking to the king. 
David learned how to save small fights for small fighters. He was like, you, you a small fight. I'm saving my energy for Goliath. Okay, And so once you put yourself out there, you might have to deal with people who question your motives. But if you're coming from a place of service and authenticity, you're going to be good. Mm -hmm. There will definitely be adversity and things that you're going to come up against. Yeah. I I love what you said. I love what you said. That was so, that's so good. (laughs) Um, So look, before we go, I'd absolutely love for you to share with everybody uh, about your book, the things that you have going on, how they can connect with you. And then I'll end with one question after you're done. No problem. No problem. So I I mentioned a book just now. I have a book um, called The Snatchback, Reclaiming Your Life One Truth at a Time is available on Amazon. Hang on for a second. Let me. (laughs) Here it is. Yeah. Available on Amazon. (laughs) And this book is really for anybody who's looking at their life and saying, how did my life come to this? I never thought I would be in this situation. This is not the life I want. This is not the life I imagined for myself. How do I go back and reclaim that John 10, 10 life, that life that's full of abundance and, 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 and health and wellness? And h- how do I reclaim that mentally and emotionally and spiritually? And this book takes you through the process that I had to, t- I had to go through in order to get there. I talked about having been in four different careers. Some of that, um, was, was as a result of conscious decisions. Some was a result of insecurity. And, and, and others, now I feel like I'm standing in a place where I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing because I reclaimed my life. So that's the book. The book is out, it's on Amazon, you can get that. Um, what else am I doing? I lead a group for Christian CEOs uh, who are um, at seven figures or better in revenue uh, for their business. So if that's you and you're looking to connect with a wonderful group of other CEOs, let me know. We have a robust curriculum. Um, it's, it's a fantastic group uh, that's meeting here in Northern New Jersey. So I uh, would love to connect with you on that. And then I also still do uh, have some residual clients that I do some, some executive coaching with. So Gravitas Executive Coaching. You can learn all about that and me on my website, MoniqueCarkhamEdwards.com. Oh, I love it. I love it. And so since you mentioned the John Sense in life, right? What would you, how would you say that purpose plays a role in living that life? If you don't know your purpose, you are susceptible to every wind and every movement that comes along. A girlfriend calls you and says, oh, I'm doing this. You think, oh, I'm going to go do that. Somebody else says, oh, you'd be great at that. You go run and you do that. But when you know your purpose, you can set priorities. And when you know purpose, purpose helps you to, to know what to say yes to. But even more importantly, you know what to say no to. That's so important. So important to know, not my lane, not what I do, you know? And so knowing purpose has been huge for me because now I feel like I am more authentically and more intentionally going after what God has for me because I'm clear on what my purpose is. I'm clear on what it's not. And I now don't feel that sense of obligation or duty to other things. So I feel free knowing my purpose, because I feel empowered to walk in that and only that. I love that. You said, I feel free. And I, I do. I feel free. Empowered. 
to walk in that and own yes. that. It I feel happy. You from that superwoman syndrome. Oh gosh, Lord. You know, everybody, you're not here to serve everybody. And I really, that was a big shift for me coming out of pastoring. Because the pastor, anybody who presents you with a need, you try to help them. I had to learn who am I assigned to and who am I effective with? Mm. And I now only help people that I'm assigned to and effective. I had somebody called me the other day about life coaching around relationships. And I said, love you. I'm so sorry, but I, that's not what I do. I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. It was time when I was coaching everybody. <laughs> Anybody who came to me, girl, I coach everybody. Your cat stuck in a tree. I'll help you. I got you. No, mm -mm. I don't do that no more, sis. I just, God said no, you know, and I've had people come to me this past year since we've been in this social justice revolution, um, coming for DE&I coaching and DE&I consult. I don't do DE&I. So I have a great girlfriend that I referred them to, and she's made a lot of money from my referrals, but it's not what I do. I could have gotten there and tried it, but then there wouldn't be the same level of power. They wouldn't be the same level of skill and anointing because that's just that that's not my lane. And I can be comfortable knowing I can be comfortable passing up something that looks lucrative and attractive because it's not my purpose. You know, I absolutely love that. I feel like I'm fully beginning to embark in that space right now. Like that's the season that I'm in where I'm okay with releasing some things and just saying like, Lord, I know it's this. I'm going to focus on this. And I think that that's a great challenge too for entrepreneurs, being able to release the yes. things that are not aligned with the things that you've been created to do. Yes. You know? yes. So this has been a wonderful conversation, Monique. I've had I a just got to say one thing. Yes, go ahead. I got a fangirl for a minute. I love you. <laughs> I love the way you show up. You show up so consistently and authentically and you show up in a way that is encouraging and it's empowering when i see you i don't feel intimidated i don't feel like wow that could never be me i feel like you know one day i'm gonna get my stuff together and be able to put myself out there like she's doing and you you show up funny and you show up relaxed and you show up crazy and say you just show up in so many ways so i I love you. I watch all your videos and I watch all the things you post. And I love that you have been, you've narrowed down what you're doing, purpose, and you've been going after that hard and consistently. It's not, well, I'm doing purpose today and dreams tomorrow and something else next week. You've really dialed into that. And I love that. And I love your heart. Everything you do is about how can we take other people to the next level? And it's about community. And I just love that. And I love you. So thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to be on your platform. You inspire me, sis. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm working on just receiving it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm working on it. Say thank you and move yes, on. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You are welcome. <laughs> so guys, this has been a great conversation with Monique. Uh, all of her contact information and things will be in the show notes. I highly encourage you to reach out and connect with her. And I know she's just giving me my accolades of flowers right now, but I, I do want to add that there are, I can probably count um, maybe one hand, maybe one and a half hands of people that I'm able to have 
authentic, genuine conversations with, and they're exciting, and you just feel encouraged and motivated and inspired where you just click. And Monique is absolutely one of those people. And so y'all go and find out about her stuff, buy her book. And um, yeah, let's walk this thing out. Let's walk our purpose out and let's do everything that God has called us to do. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Hey guys, so have you heard about the Confident and Purpose program? It is a 90-day program that is going to help you launch you into the more confident you, the version of you who understands who you are, understands what your purpose is, understands what your gifts are, and are actively working to pursue those things. Y'all, I'm so excited about this program. If you are a woman of faith and you know that there is more for you, if you are ready to walk into your next, if you are tired of being on your nine to five, living an unfulfilled life, or if you are tired of just pouring out and serving and investing in everyone else, but not investing in yourself, and you know that there is a call on your life, you know that there is something more that you absolutely should be doing, and you know that time is a ticking and you need to begin to execute those things and make those things a reality, but yet you find yourself having trouble um, making time for yourself and being consistent and even identifying what it is that you should be doing, girl, this is the program for you. We are going to spend 90, this program is going to be 90 days and we're going to walk you through the process of understanding those things so that you can courageously redefine your life, unlock your gifts, create a strategic goal completion plan, give yourself permission to dream and execute those dreams. Y'all, it is so possible. In this space, we offer accountability. We offer community. Um, There'll be a digital workbook that will go along with that. And you'll get a spiritual and natural gift assessment. So you will be super clear on what you've been called to do, the areas that you've been called to show up in. Girl, you know what that means? That means clarity. That means direction. That means that you know when to say no and you know when to say yes girl it makes your yeses easier and your nos a whole lot easier because you understand your purpose you're living a life full of intentionality which allows you to show up as your best self in every single area of your life when you invest in you it automatically benefits those around you and so so many of us, we, we want our kids to live their best life. We want our kids to do the best that they possibly can, but we haven't been that example for them. It starts with us. And so I'm so excited about this program. There is an application process, so you want to click the link in the show notes in order to apply for the program. Once you apply for the program, if your application is accepted, we will hop on a purpose strategy call. And that call will serve as your second interview, but you'll also, will also get to know each other and you'll leave with a strategy that will help you get started on your purpose journey, whether we decide to go forward with the program or not. So pretty much it's a win-win type deal. <laughs> But I'm so excited to be able to offer this program. I know so many women who are ready to move into that next, who are ready to um, answer that call for more, but just aren't sure how to get started. And so I can't wait to hear from you. I can't wait to get started on this journey. And um, I'll see you soon. 
ladies, did you enjoy that episode or what? Did this episode speak to you in some kind of way? I would absolutely love to hear about it. Y'all know it does my heart good when you subscribe and you share this podcast with someone else that you know can absolutely benefit from it. Y'all, we are out here connecting, walking in our purpose and encouraging each other along the way. I love meeting with you every week and I'd love to stay further connected. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Tisha underscore talks and to visit my website, www.tishatalks.org. You'll find the podcast, you'll find other videos and you'll find other courses and classes and workshops, conferences, the list goes on and on to the things that we are currently doing so that we can further connect beyond this weekly podcast. So ladies, without further ado, I want you guys to walk fully in everything that you've been called to align your passion with your purpose and go out there and get everything that has your name on it. Talk to you later.